You are listening to Uncommentary. Hey folks, this is Marty. I want to remind you again about my friend Byron at Hearts and Minds Books and encourage you to order from this uh, independent bookstore up in Pennsylvania. Uh, it's heartsandmindsbooks.com, and when you go there, you'll see easily the navigation to uh, request a book or to ask about a book. Uh, they're super helpful. If you'll mention Uncommentary, uh, on some books you can get a discount. They can't discount everything because of the nature of their small operation, but when they can, they do. And I really encourage you to check him out. Uh, he mentioned to me recently that there has been some business come, come his way as a result of the podcast. That makes me like really happy. That's heartsandmindsbooks.com. Uh, you can actually leave a card on file. I do this all the time. And then email him when you want a new book and how you want it shipped to you. And he can handle it uh, right there through your email. And uh, it's really, really encouraging to him. And so I encourage you to check him out. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, I started my first podcast, and it was called The Fourth Estate. It may or may not be still available on your uh, app. It is available still, I think, at martyduran.com. At least I know I'm paying the web server hosting fees for it. Uh, anyway, it was uh, started in uh, maybe late 2014, 2015, sometime along in there. And uh, the purpose was to critique or to explain maybe uh, some of the stories that I saw going around that would now be classified as fake news. I think at that point I just was encouraging Christians to stop spreading stuff that was obviously fabricated uh, beyond belief and to try to focus on uh, sharing information that was true and factual. And so I did an, uh, a podcast that was, I, I don't know, maybe 30 episodes, maybe not even that. I do remember that I recorded it in my master bedroom closet, in our master bedroom closet, because it was the only place in the house at the time that had any kind of sound uh, deadening at all. So I would just set up my computer and mic on the um, on a table inside the closet and uh, read or talk about the, the stories that I was trying to debunk. So Snopes was doing this kind of thing, and there might have been one other one, but there certainly wasn't this proliferation of fact-checking that we know of today. And I bring I say all that to bring it around to in the course of this podcast, uh, I stumbled across a um, a new tool. It was new at the time called the media bias chart. And uh, there's a bunch of them now and they take many different forms. But I'm pretty sure I saw the first one uh, and Vanessa Otero, who was a patent attorney in Colorado, had begun doing this as a hobby. And so I talked to her uh, on an episode of The Fourth Estate. Here's the thing about bias. <clears throat> we can't get away from it. Uh, I would I would love to say that I'm totally unbiased and everything that I say to you, uh, everything that you hear me say or read me tweet or read me write on my blog uh, is 100% without bias. And I've taken all the facts into consideration and I'm giving you the, script, the straight skinny. Well, of course, we all know that's not possible. Uh, we have implicit bias. We have unrecognized biases. Uh, we have conditioning, all these things are true of every single one of us. And so the best that we can do is try our best to recognize our own preconceptions and our own biases and to try to factor those in anytime that we're reading. The good news is that there are tools and there are tricks that we can learn, uh, not even tricks, really just, uh, methods that we can learn to try to overcome or at least recognize bias in reporting 
uh, and compensate for that by further study or opposite uh, kind of slant. Uh, and I do think it's possible for the average Joe or Jane uh, to find the truth, um, factual basis for any news story after just a little bit of effort. So I'm going to be talking to Vanessa again today um, about her. I think it's uh, version 7.0 now. Um, it's a whole big deal. It's very interactive. There's all kinds of things. It's not just a flat thing. Uh, you'll get the website in just a moment. <clears throat> so it's not just an image anymore like it used to be. It's not just a single shareable graphic, although you can use that. Uh, there's an interactivity to the to it on the website, and it's a whole big deal. So it's uh, I think she's calling it now the original media bias chart because it actually was the first one, I think, to come out uh, with that name. I would love to say that my guest today is a friend. Um, and I guess technically that's kind of true because we've uh, talked a lot on social media, but Vanessa Otero is really a social media friend, which kind of makes me sad because you're a cool person. Um, I consider us friends at this point, Marty. Awesome. That I mean, that you may think I'm really, you may kind of think I'm joking. I'm not really joking. I, I, I'm really happy to count you as a friend. That That means something to me. Um, you're, you've kind of are the, you're the George Washington, maybe the Martha Washington of, uh, media <laughs> bias charts, the, the whole idea. Cause there's a bunch of them now. And honestly, the ones that I've seen lately, look, they're just ripping you off. They take about five of yours from every category and smush some of them together. And then they say, Hey, we have a media bias chart, <laughs> but you've been at this for some time. Uh, you've done a lot of work in this area. And before you became the CEO of Adfontis Media, you had another career that you were doing, and you kind of did this on yeah. the side. So, Vanessa Otero, welcome back to Uncommentary. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here today. I'm really glad you invited me on. And I say that, and as soon as I said the word back, I realized that you haven't been on Uncommentary. It was a previous podcast that I talked to you on. Yeah, but now you're big time, so it's really an honor. <laughs> Oh, that is fantastic. Uh, well, for folks yeah, who... The, 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 last one, the last one was my very first podcast interview that I'd done. So, you know, that's a, you hold a special place in my heart for that's that reason. Awesome. So I was glad to uh, come back, even though it's in a uh, reincarnated form That's here. right. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Bob Smetana was on that other one. Is that Do you remember that? That's right. Yeah. I do. Re religion News Service guy. Um, so for those, for those three folks out there in listener land who do not know anything about the media bias chart and they don't know you by name, who is Vanessa Otero? Uh, as you said, I'm the CEO of AdFontes Media, and our company is just about three years old now. So we founded in uh, February 2018, but I created the first version of the media bias chart as a hobby. I was a my previous career, I was a patent attorney. Um, you know, still a licensed attorney, <laughs> but running this company full time it was a good gig. I really enjoyed being a patent attorney, uh, but. As a hobby, in the evenings, I would like I made a map of the me of the media uh, because I'm a big nerd, as I like to say. <laughs> and this was right before the 2016 election, and I was alarmed about the state of folks arguing at each other online, especially, uh, particularly by using uh, really unreliable news sources to argue with and talk past each other. And I thought it might be helpful to facilitate that discussion to lay out uh, media sources as you know, somewhat better, worse on a vertical axis mm -hmm. and more left and more right on a horizontal axis, just the two dimensions. And you know, at first it was just me uh, doing that with my impression but it went super viral, uh, that first iteration, and the feedback I would get from it is that 
you know, we, people wanted to see uh, more sources, ask what my methodology was, uh, ask for the data behind it. And the main complaint I would get from no matter who it was, was, well, isn't this chart biased because it's just you? And they were right. It was biased because it was just me. So fast forward. <laughs> the biased media bias chart. <laughs> Right. They're like, have you ever thought of the fact that this is biased? And I'm like, no, never occurred to us. But I, I try not to like respond to people like that like rudely online. But yeah, yes, we have, we think a lot about mitigating our own biases, uh, biases. And what I mean by we is now we have a team of over 40 analysts and they're paid uh, and they're from left, right and center. So we have people self-identified as left, right, and center. Um, and then we do some calculations on the back end just to, you know, make sure you know, see what people's biases over time are with their ratings and how we come up with a placement of any particular news source or news like source on uh, the media bias chart is by taking a, a big sample of articles or episodes or shows and having a panel of three people rate each one of those. So right now we've got um, your Zoom rooms mm -hmm. where we have shifts of analysts where three of them, one left, one right, and one center, it's going through a bunch of articles and rating them so to add them to our media bias chart. And it's a it's really a wonderful exercise and it gives me a lot of hope in the future for uh, what political discourse can be because our analysts are amazing. And so now the media bias chart doesn't reflect any one person's point of view or reality. It's a sort of co a composite view of uh, your well-trained analysts who are politically savvy, news savvy, uh, and, and trained in our methodology. Well, this is fantastic. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm old enough to be your father. I'm fairly confident. And uh, <laughs> from the time that I was old enough to know anything about the news, say my late teens, um, you know, I was warned the, the media is biased. You can't trust the media mm -hmm. because they're biased. And it's the exact mm -hmm. same thing today. Uh, you mm -hmm. can't trust the mainstream media because they're biased. Well, you know, er, you can't get away from bias. All you can, mm -hmm. to me, all you can do is learn to recognize it, learn to recognize it in what you're reading. And it helps you right. separate fact from fiction, fiction from hyperbole, from an unnecessary adverb that describes something in a way that wasn't necessary for the article. Um, right. So I think what you're doing is extremely helpful. So um, it's ad font is ad. FONTESmedia.com is where you can find the latest, I guess every latest iteration of the media bias chart goes right here, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. So um, I'm looking at it currently and on your uh, left to right axis, is that the mm -hmm. X or the Y? I don't know. Y. The Y axis. Okay. You oh, have... Sorry. Le le left to right is X. Okay. So here's how I remember it. You make an X with your arms and you fold it down and that's the left to right <laughs> axis. And the other one's a Y axis. A math okay. person taught me that. Okay, so everybody who's listening, I just want you to know that I almost never uh, record via video. I almost all it's always always audio audio only. And so uh, today we're on Zoom, and so when Vanessa's doing this thing, it's like I'm watching a cheerleader. <laughs> <laughs> X yes. collapses to be the axis. Go team. Um, so, uh, so I'm looking at the chart and you have, uh, from most extreme left, hyper-partisan left, skews left, middle, skews right, hyper-partisan right, most extreme right. So I want to read off a few of the ones that you have in the middle. Mm -hmm. Uh, AP and Reuters kind of split that 
exact middle. AP just to the left, Reuters just to the right. It may simply be because there's not enough room to put them on top of each other. Yeah, that's a spacing thing. They're actually right next to each other okay. on the in the middle there. And then uh, you have NPRs kind of in that same box, CBS and BBC, Christian Science Monitor. And all of these are kind of squished, squished in. Maybe there's some uh, visual that gets them a little to the left of the dead center, a little to the right of dead center. But generally speaking, these are the ones that your analysts say, as far as we can determine, uh, they don't. They try to avoid bias. They try to be straight as straightforward as possible. And yet, as I look at this, the one that catches my eye that is always castigated for being too liberal or very liberal is NPR. Mm-hmm. So why in the world do you have NPR in the middle? Yeah, so the middle is a... Uh, it contains multitudes. Uh, it used to say uh, neutral, and that wasn't quite the right term because uh, the middle, we just call it the middle because it can represent three concepts, distinct concepts. One is that it's minimally balanced. So, you know, they're trying as best they can to not show bias. Okay. Uh, the other con- second concept is centrist. And centrist is a bias. It's a you know advocacy of the centrist political position, oh, which is between two extremes, yeah. right? And so you can have a centrist bias, like a mainstream kind of bias, a status quo sort of bias. Um, and then you can have balance of biases. So the uh, like showing two sides as equally as possible, or trying to show two sides as equally as possible. The thing with the middle is that the middle is not necessarily like the most like right or morally correct position. And people think that we mean that sometimes because there's just, there's a high degree of overlap between sources that are very, uh, very factual uh, in their reporting and, uh, and also in the middle. But if you kind of look down the, uh, the middle of the chart, there are some sources that do not score well, yet they are still close to the middle. Mm-hmm. Like the Daily Mail is kind of in the middle uh, of like the uh, vertical axis, but also just just a hair to the right. Um, and that's because if people in the UK disagree because they have more right wing things in UK mm-hmm. uh, news. But in the United States, the kind of da- uh, things that Daily Mail covers is you know, it's a really widespread and reliability. You know, they just really lay some terrible eggs every once mm-hmm. in a while, and um, they're they do more right leaning garbage than left-leaning garbage mm-hmm. but they do they still do both right so doing both sides garbage isn't you know doesn't mean you're good right <laughs> and then if you go to go down to like national Enquirer uh or like world truth tv you know some of their um th- i mean that's really more regularly garbage is why they're at the bottom but more frequently a little bit to the right still fairly balanced so some of it is just like nonpartisan mm-hmm. garbage you know uh, things that are untrue about a celebrity is nonpartisan garbage so uh so who had a baby alien him. this week right exactly and uh or you know lady gaga sold her soul to the illuminati it was one of the ones you rated in world truth.tv yeah you know not really left right identifiable bias there now <laughs> npr <laughs> uh but so but everybody kind of ascribes like crazy uh fake news to the other side so mm-hmm. i want to tell you one interesting thing about that lady gaga article uh we noticed when we first this is like when we first uh started rating the news 
um, we had we had to re-rate it um, and identify that it was really just not a partisan uh, left-right issue. But some people rated it very low, but they're like, well, this must be ext- like the a right-leaning person rated it all the way to the left because they're like, this must be for crazy people on the left right and and a left-leaning person rated it all the way to the right they're like this must be for a crazy person <laughs> on the right so we corrected that you know, that the correct rating is zero for that but uh again let me get back to npr uh i think folks are familiar with with npr you know the more familiar uh folks are with a particular news source the more feedback we tend to get mm, on it good uh, so, like, like everybody has an opinion on cnn because everybody knows cnn mm-hmm. Um, and I think for uh, one of the things that skews NPR left uh, in uh, that we find is the topic selection and coverage. Um, you know, they have uh, they've had public editors uh, of NPR in the past, which is the uh, who I've spoken with. You know, the person at NPR who's in charge of fielding complaints from the audience. Mm-hmm. I mean, fun job, right? Yeah. Uh, and complaints about bias, and they frequently get. Um, you know, hammered by audiences from the left and, and from the right. And, you know, they're, they're really trying to be neutral here, but sometimes it'll just be uh, biased because of topic selection. Uh, mm. One example they gave was, you know, why are you covering so much stuff about homelessness? You know, anyone, and this is a right-leaning uh, reader. And they said, you know, that just seems like uh, whose stories you're choosing to tell, like uh, the, the homeless community, like it didn't strike that uh, listener as important, so they thought it was biased because mm. of whose story they were choosing to tell. Interesting. That's the same thing as uh, you know, New York Times will get similar complaints for interviewing um, Trump voters in diners in the Midwest, right? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so um, I'm looking. My wife and I were talking, uh, goodness, really recently, like maybe two days ago, about the prolifer- proliferate proliferation. Easy for me to say. Of, uh, of news sources now. Back when we were kids, it was um, CBS, ABC, NBC, and then mm-hmm. I guess PBS, maybe NewsHour existed back then. I can't remember. Um, mm-hmm. So it's interesting to me that you have uh, CBS is uh, is in that center bracket, so just to the left mm-hmm. of center bracket, and ABC mm-hmm. is like still in the center, but like right to the edge of uh, skews left, and then NBC mm-hmm. is not like super duper into it, but it's definitely solidly in the skews left basically lined up with New York times, Washington post and uh, PBS. So uh, it is interesting to me that any of those three are viewed by 40 people as center or uh, less biased in the middle than, um, than NBC. You have two that are actually in the middle as opposed to far left, because everybody knows the mainstream media is far left, like right out there next to <laughs> communism. Um, so it's interesting to me to see a, a balanced group of people striving to, you know, striving to accurately interpret bias, have ABC and CBS in the same slot with, for instance, Stars and Stripes, Bloomberg, Fortune, Forbes, and The Economist, for instance. Um it, did you find that interesting? Did you expect all three of the major TV networks to basically be like on top of each other? You know, I expected them to be kind of close to, to where they are. Um, yeah, just a little bit, a uh, little bit skews left. And I think it'll be interesting because, you know, some of them have moved even like in our latest iteration, um, you know, NBC moved a little bit uh, for the left and uh, and so did, so did BBC, um, just, just a couple of points. And, uh, 
that may be heavily influenced by like the changing of the news cycle and like the the un- like unusual events of the last maybe three months in the news. Uh, and here's what I mean by that. Um, the other thing that gives people consternation about this whole concept of like a left-right axis uh, and like what it means to be the middle is like what even defines this re- left-right axis. Mm-hmm. And we have really specific definitions because look, I know that there are many, many dimensions. Like we could, people ask for third dimensions all the time, fourth dimensions, we could have eight, 80 dimensions on this chart, right? <laughs> but then it'd be really hard to share on social media right. and be really hard to explain to people who just like don't understand the difference between real news and fake news. Mm-hmm. And so I get the, I get the criticisms of folks who um, think that like populism, uh, you know, libertarianism, like these different aspects of um, you know, political science um, are not necessarily laid out neatly left right, but a lot of things are laid out neatly left right. So how we anchor our our chart is it's a U.S. chart, okay? So we do we've done other international versions with international partners, um, but it's always from the view of that country for that country's media about that country, right? So in the U.S., it's about our political uh, positions right now. And that's different from France and from Saudi Arabia and, you know, Canada, you know, even our similar Western democracies. It's also contemporary. So it shifts over time. Like what the middle is now is very different from what the middle was, you know, in 1960. See, that's the question I was going to ask you. You're a mind reader. (laughs) Well, good. I'm glad, uh, you know, I do get a lot of these, I get this question a lot. So I've had a lot of time to think about it. Um, yeah, so it's contemporary it changes uh, all the time. And again, that, that really illustrates that the middle is not correct, uh, morally. I mean, look at in 1960, one side was, uh, you know, the, on the right, you're for segregation on the left, you're for integration. Mm-hmm. Like the middle wasn't the best choice or whatever the middle would be then, you know, we've all come to the conclusion that morally, um, you know, segregation is wrong. Mm-hmm. So, um, and what are, uh, left right spectrum looks like in, even in four years from now or 50 years from now is going to be different. Uh, we're going to go to a quick break. Uh, this is Marty Duran. You're listening to Uncommentary, my conversation with Vanessa Otero, the president and CEO and chief of everything at Advantis Media, founder of the original and best media bias chart. We'll be back right after this. Well, you've probably heard me mention already the new Uncommentary book club, and I wanted to give you a shorter version of that. I think my original Running time was like five minutes. So here's the short of it. Go to uncommentarypodcast.com slash book club. Uncommentarypodcast.com slash book club. No hyphens or underscores in book club. And you'll find all the information that you know, uh, that you need in full array. So the short of it is this. Become a patron at patreon.com slash uncommentary at $4 a month. And that qualifies you to join the book club that's in partnership with Hearts and Minds Books up in Pennsylvania, my buddy Byron. So I want to encourage you to do that. You'll get a new book every month. It's your, uh, you're buying from them. He and I will select these books based on what's coming out and what we believe will be of interest to this audience. Uh, I will post it in Patreon beforehand so you'll know what to expect. Um, and so you won't go buy extra copies of it. Uh, but this has the, I think this has the, um, potential to be really encouraging. Uh, you guys can hook up via zoom and have, have your own book discussions, all that kind of thing. So, um, uncommentarypodcast.com slash book club for four bucks a month as a patron, you can be, uh, you can join and I encourage you to, uh, to take a look and invite your friends. 
All right, I'm back with Vanessa Otero. Uh, you were in the middle of something, and I rudely, like, I mean, just like <laughs> demagogically cut you off. Is there something you wanted to finish, or have you already forgotten? Oh, no, that's that's no problem. I can talk in large chunks, so I actually uh, appreciate an interruption. <laughs> so I was talking about the three things that anchor the left-right axis on the media bias chart. Yes. It's it's a U.S. and a contemporary uh Positions of elected officials. So why do we use positions of elected officials to anchor the left-right spectrum? Because we're trying to figure out, you know, what is left-right in the United States right now? And you could measure a bunch of different things. Like you could ask the people, you know, that's kind of squishy to measure, but social media, like what people say in their conversations, that's hard. Um, We're trying to, uh, we can't use like what's being said in the media necessarily because we're measuring the media sources themselves, but we can measure, uh, it's easiest to you know, stick a fork in is the uh, statements of elected officials mm-hmm. because they publish them on their websites and in their platforms. And they say the things on TV, uh, on the ha- floor of the house in Senate, you know, on their campaign speeches. So you can identify like what the positions are of the political parties. And so the line in between like hyperpartisan and skews on the left and right are generally like the median positions of, um, of, Democratic and Republican politicians, respectively, whereas the line between most extreme and hyperpartisan, that outer line is uh, defined by the most extreme elected officials of that party. Okay. Now that line moves. You know, mm-hmm. it that line used to not include QAnon believers. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But now it does, and that is upsetting to folks, right? Or like, say, say on the left, you know. People find the uh, folks on the left, like the members of the squad, very, very radical far left, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, so whatever those positions are, that is what the left is. Like anything, there's certainly media that's more extreme than what those people say. So that's why there's space on the chart for them. Mm-hmm. But that's what uh, our discourse is. People call it the Overton window, like what's acceptable in political discourse now. Yeah, it changes. So uh, that's upsetting to folks. But we're not trying to say like what the middle should be. We're trying to say what it is and just measure it. And everyone thinks that the middle should be closer to where they are personally anyways. That's very true. So true. Just like where I am. I'm in the middle and everybody should be like me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Why can't everybody see the thing same, the same way exactly that we do? Because obviously we're all correct. Dang it. Okay. So that's, uh, that's the X axis. Uh, mm-hmm. So now I'm waiting for your cheer for the Y axis. Um, oh, I don't have one for the Y. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, interestingly, and I think this is good because you were you were kind of sort of doing this uh, before fake news became like the thing. Um, so you have it divided, I think, into three big chunks. Uh, you have a more news value and reliability, kind of a middle news value and reliability, and then a less mm-hmm. news value and reliability. So I'm just going to read down the left for uh, for the listeners who aren't looking directly at this. It starts at the top with original fact reporting. And just to give you an idea of who falls in that, it's it's basically three spots, maybe five if you stretch it really hard. AP Reuters, UPI, Voice of America possibly, and Stars and Stripes possibly. And then just under that, you have fact reporting. And that's where the mass of the recognizable names are. So Wall Street Journal. Christian Science Monitor, BBC, ABC, NBC, New Yorker, uh, Washington Post, CNN, uh, in fact reporting. So original fact reporting is AP, Reuters, UPI. And you know this is the case because so many of the ones just below that repeat API, Reuters, and UPI. So they're getting the original fact reporting from these wire services. They they repeat them 
but then they also do some reporting of their own locally, usually. Right. Then after that, you have uh, mostly analysis or a mix of fact and fiction. Oh, wait a minute. Fact reporting and analysis. <laughs> Fiction's a little bit farther down. Um, so this is the ones that, that we would kind of talk about as the chattering class. So you've got... Uh, they're, is, they're talking about their opinions on the reporting that has been done. So an article in the Atlantic, for instance, might not be original, but there's going to be a huge commentary on something that was reported in the Washington Post. So in this section, you've got uh, folks like Vox and the Dispatch and Reason, Quillette, uh, MSNBC. Then you have analysis or high variation in reliability. This is when you start getting into a lot of opinion and you're going to need to figure out what's truth and error. Then you have opinion or high variation in reliability. And just to read off a couple there, you have Jezebel on the left, Crooks and Liars on the left, uh, Washington Times, Town Hall, Breitbart on the right. Uh, and now we're down below the new – we're in the less section now of news value yeah, and reliability. This, this starts getting problematic down <laughs> <This> is, here. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, these folks figured out social media pretty quick. Uh, yep. So you have selective, incomplete, unfair persuasion, propaganda, or other issues. So on the left, you have uh, like Wonkette and Alternate and Daily Kos. On the right, you have PragerU, Newsmax, uh, American Thinker, and a couple others, OAN. Oh, my word is what that one should be. Um, <laughs> and then uh, under that, you have contains misleading info. And I'm, I'll be honest with you, if your next if your next iteration doesn't have OAN and Newsmax down here in this block, I'm going to be really skeptical. Uh, so you have uh, Infowars. I don't they've even know. Dropped, what, they've dropped a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I don't even know what GP is. Gateway Pundit. Oh my goodness! I can't. Yeah. I guess the reason you have to keep him on here is so people will know that you're you're charting that knucklehead. Good night. I then the last that one, <laughs> the last section uh, contains inaccurate or fabricated information. And that's where you have National Enquirer, World Truth TV, and a couple of others. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, so here's the question, because, uh, I, I mean, I don't want to get into like postmodern philosophy because I don't know enough about it. But one of the, <laughs> so I'm a pastor. I think you probably remember that. I'm a pastor. Yeah. And one of the things that, that we were scared about, uh, or, or shot, you know, we were warned about was this whole idea of postmodernism that you would never be able to tell what is truth. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you, how do you determine, uh, what is factual? How do you determine up and down? I mean, this is nine sections on the left-hand side from original fact reporting to we're making it up as we go along. That's what you really should right. change that last one to <laughs> <laughs> making it up as we go making along. It up as we go along. Um, how do you determine what, do, how do you determine factualness in your ratings? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great question. And that's actually probably a number one question. And I think that's the challenge of our time. People just ask, what? how do we know what's true? Mm-hmm. And is there a truth that can be had? Now, before I get into this, I, I do want to just uh, make a note about you know, why overall sources can fall into certain sections, mm-hmm. even though they contain examples of others. Because, you know, like the New York Times falls in fact reporting, but everybody knows that there's a lot of um, opinion in there too, sure. right? That are, if you go to our interactive chart, you'll see the scatter plot of all the articles that we've rated. So the New York Times, you'll have some original fact reporting in there. You also have some, uh, you know, mostly left-leaning opinion, et cetera. So they gave the example of the Atlantic. They did some original fact reporting, uh, you know, this over the summer as well about the president. You know, so there's it, it's the overall weighted average mm-hmm. of what falls in there, right? Okay. And interestingly about OAN and Newsmax, they uh, and Epic Times, 
they haven't always solely trafficked in election disinformation. Mm. However, they went in like all in on it uh, during the, you know, after the November election. So, you know, they, uh, they had a lot of stuff and they do have to this day, a lot of stuff that's just very right leaning news, but would score higher factually. Mm -hmm. Right. So how do we determine um, what's how do we determine what's true? And people ask us if we um, do our own fact checking. So I just want to make a distinction between what we do and what fact checkers do. So fact checkers there are a number of great ones out there, and they're journalism organizations: Snopes, Pointer, uh, Politifact, uh, USA Today, and uh, Washington Post, a lot of uh, the dispatch, they do fact checking in, in which they run to ground the story and then write the story about what did happen. Mm -hmm. Okay. We don't, we don't do fact checking in that sense. Like we don't produce any uh, journalism about um, the facts, but we, what we have to be able to do is for any article in 10 to 15 minutes, determine the likelihood of uh, whether the uh, statements in there are true or not. So it's like a likelihood of veracity test. We call that metric in our system veracity. So that's great. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it, it's we have to ask the question, like, what are we what do we mean by tr telling if something's true or right. not? Right. Given that we have limitations, uh, inherent limitations as human beings, that we cannot know everything about everything. We cannot know ultimate truth. So you have to start with this place like, OK, I can't. 100% know the issue, the, uh, whether this is true or not. But I need to be able to determine if it's like 90% plus likely to be mm -hmm, true. Mm -hmm. And we can arrive at that for pretty much everything because we have these immense tools available to us at our fingertips now. We're essentially relying on the internet and the ecosystem of journalism that's out there and information that's out there. Okay, So uh, what do we do if we don't know if something's true? We look it up. We are just, that is just our motto. Look it up, look it up, look it up, look it up. Just like your teacher told you in class, just look it up. Because we find stuff, we run across stuff all the time. I run across stuff all the time. I'm like, huh, wonder if that's true. Yeah. Hmm. And most of, most people just don't just don't take that first step. Like you're already on the internet, right? right? <laughs> and you have you have these two choices, and you like see this meme, and you're like, mm, that sounds pretty bad about Nancy Pelosi. And then something, you know, in your mind says, I wonder if that's true. And you have a share button, and that's one option, yeah, right? Yeah. And then you also have the open another browser option and type in. <laughs> Just the actual words that you are wondering about. <laughs> and the Google, <laughs> it sounds so simple. It's just a thing that people don't do. Does right? Anderson Cooper actually drink baby blood? Search. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and you can add, copy and paste a text out of somewhere and just like drop in it. Google has this uh, tool called reverse image search mm -hmm. where you can like drop in an image and it'll search and find out like where else that image was. Um, and so it's not just like, you know, Googling things. There are a lot of primary sources that you can find on, on the internet, like court filings, transcripts, you know, sometimes we'll read an article uh, and it'll be in one of these sources. It's like, you have questionably, uh, you have reason to question, like, is that quote taken out of context? Mm -hmm. It sounds kind of bad, you know, or we reading a Washington times article about, you know, uh, something Joe Biden said about race in a debate. Mm -hmm. Right. And it was a day after the debate. And 
I was reading it. I was like, I don't, I don't think he said that, but I know I can find out what he actually <laughs> right. said. And like, because there are transcripts available. So I just pop open another window. Sure enough, like two lines were taken like horribly out of context. Yeah. And then that just drops. Reading. So, you know, it's not always the same thing that you look up. Like our analysts have, um, like usually you can, uh, you know, find other, uh, other news sources that are reporting a similar thing. So we have like a flow chart mm. of like, when you Google stuff, here are the possibilities of the things that you can find. Um, like you can find other reputable news sources corroborating it. You can find other like just kind of iffy news sources and they only kind of corroborate it. So it's kind of iffy questionability. You can find like no proof whatsoever of the thing or a debunk, mm-hmm. right? So there's all these possibilities of what you find when you, uh, when you look stuff up and each of those have varying levels of uh, veracity, reliability. So that's so what I'm going to go to an, a small aside here because you said something uh, in that train of thought that I think is the really big problem. You said people think, I wonder if that might be true. I think the problem is people don't think, I wonder if that might be true. <laughs> right. They assume that what they're reading is true because it confirms every bias that they already have. Absolutely. <clears throat> which is a different issue. But your uh, your chart can really help people who want to know facts, they want to know the truth. It can help them Mm -hmm. learn to distinguish in that way. Um, Okay. So I I see an article shared from wherever New York post. Uh, Mm -hmm. I can look at your chart. I can see that it does analysis. Uh, There's a high variation in its reliability, which means a lot of their stuff is going to be kind of solid. And a lot of the stuff might not be as solid. So I can go Mm -hmm. and read the article thinking, okay, well maybe this is true. Maybe this is accurate. Maybe this has problems. Um, Mm -hmm. I can, I can just say from my personal experience, just learning to read with the idea that this might have some problems really Mm -hmm. helps you do better when you're reading. Uh, there should never be an assumption on any article read from any source that there's not the possibility it could have a problem. Um, I mean, we've got, you know, journalists in the past, thankfully not a ton of them who've clearly made stuff up and got caught, you know, way after the fact, Um, so whether you're reading a source that you really trust, like a national review or CNN, um, Mm -hmm. I like the fact that you have sojourners and Christianity today on here too. That's, that's really encouraging. Um, Mm -hmm. so I want to, I want to go back really quickly because we're almost out of time here. I want to go back really quickly to this idea uh, and you really articulated this so well, uh, about the center moving, uh, based on how current politics is. And that's really helpful for me, because I actually asked you this question, maybe even before we started recording, I don't remember where, how's the center moving? How's the bulwark on the left? What's really interesting <laughs> to me is the bulwark is on just to the left and the dispatch is just to the right. And these are basically the same guys. I mean, I don't know if it's exactly the same guys, but it's basically the same guys. So how, how does, um, how does something like that wind up? Is it just what's being talked about? Is that what provides that distinction there? Often it's a topic, and the fact that Trump has often been the topic, and okay. election disinformation has been the topic, has made has uh, I think accounted a lot for that shift. Okay. I think as we you know shift to the um, you know coverage in the Biden administration will probably be more focused on policy than personality, mm-hmm. right? So typical arguments um, uh, about you know you know taxes and regulation and um, you know Second Amendment and uh, you know immigration things like that. I think think will kind of normalize and you know 
a lot of there are a lot of Republicans or uh, right leaning folks on multiple issues, you know, whether it be uh, abortion or a Second Amendment or immigration or taxes mm-hmm. regulation that I mentioned that just didn't really like Trump at all for um, very conservative principles, mm-hmm. very conservative reasons. But, um, you know, and and like their anger at Trump uh, would come out. And so like writing against, you know, uh, in opposition to Trump is not necessarily a left-leaning position, Mm -hmm. you know, given that if like 60% of the country just really doesn't have a taste for the guy, just doesn't like him. Right. Right. Um, You you can state that I am opposed to Trump for X, Y, Z reason in a more neutral, less neutral way. You know, a lot of uh, the center right conservatives are very angry about what Trump has really done to the GOP and conservatism. Right. And it would be brutal. And a lot of the coverage in the bulwark that we happened to sample was was that okay, right gotcha yeah that we, might i think you'll see that shift so it's the media bias chart ad fontes media ad f-o-n-t-e-s media.com uh vanessa otero chief economist at a <laughs> chief economist <laughs> at ad fontes that's always seems to come up somewhere when they're talking to people uh ceo <laughs> Uh, and I, I want to highly recommend one of the reasons I want to recommend the chart to you b- besides all the stuff we've talked about is they do update the chart. So it's not like, Hey, here it is. We're going to move on to something else. Um, and as the sources change, they're moved around on the chart. And as culture changes and the political scenes change, you're able to see how coverage moves and how politics changes and all that kind of stuff. So it's really, really helpful. Here's the thing that I would encourage you as you're sharing it. Those of you who are listening. Because some people are so set uh, in their eva- their pre-evaluation that as soon as they see something like CNN uh, just to the left, skews left, they're immediately going to reject every single thing on the chart because in their mind they think CNN is the most extreme left or NPR or any of the ones that are just slightly to the left or, God forbid, CBS actually being in the, in the middle. Um, and so they'll look at that, they'll, they'll pick one thing that they disagree with and they'll just jettison the whole thing. So as you're sharing it, I would encourage you to encourage people not to do that, but to take into consideration where everything is placed and how things change over time and encourage folks to read with an idea that anything they're reading could be wrong and that it does take a little work these days to find out the facts. And this is a good place to help. So Vanessa, thank you so much for being. Oh, are you on like you're not super active on Twitter, but you are on Twitter. What's your thing? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm on Twitter uh, at VL, at VL Otero, and I'm on Facebook too. And uh, yeah, our our company does. Uh, you know, we're we're a news rating company. We are trying to fix the whole media ecosystem. So it's a chart, but you know, there's a lot more to uh, what we do for the good stakeholders in news media. So uh, yeah, you, we'll have lots of announcements and stuff about that coming up in over the next few months. Cool. And you and you um. I don't know what the right word is. I know you did a, a, a like a GoFundMe. I don't think you used GoFundMe. You used something else, but you did one of those. Do you, is that like an ongoing yep. thing for you? Do you like to do a Labor Day telethon every year? No. Uh, so we're a uh, we're a public benefit corporation, or so we're for profit. So we did an equity crowdfunding round where people could invest in our company, oh, cool. uh, and that, that just closed. So that's not ongoing. Um, but so we we did raise a uh, seed round through that and. Uh, you know, you know, for investing, uh, investment in our company because we sell products and services for uh, educators, uh, consumers, marketers, publishers, etc. So, well, I hate that it's closed. I was going to give you twenty five Bitcoin. <laughs> no, I was uh, not. I don't think you. Can. <laughs> 
<laughs> our stocking game stop. <laughs> That's right. Well, maybe not today. <laughs> oh, man. Vanessa, great to talk to you. Thanks for being with me. My pleasure. As always, thank you for listening to Uncommentary. If you'd like to keep up with me on Twitter, it's at Marty Duran. If you'd like to follow the podcast account, it's at UncommentaryPod. Please rate and review. And whichever podcatcher you listen to, uh, whether it's uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Podbean uh, or Overcast or CastBox, whichever one you use, uh, if you can rate and review, then that would be awesome. It just helps with search results and gives some credibility uh, to the podcast itself. Uh, and as you have an opportunity, if you would promote it, whether you uh, put the link from uncommentarypodcast.com uh, on your Facebook page or if you tweet the link or retweet the, uh, the initial broadcast that it's live, uh, anything like that to help spread the word is always appreciated. And as always, uh, Solideo Gloria, this is Marty Duran for Uncommentary Podcast.